Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Common question that I hear often, especially from early stage startups, is when is the right time to begin considering a quality management system? I know some startups say, oh, I'm way too early for a quality management system, and we'll do that later. But is it too early? Is it ever too soon to start a quality management system? Well, we explore these questions on this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast with Devin Campbell. Devin is the founder of Product P-R-O-D-C-T. So enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, founder and VP of quality and regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. I came across this article actually just this morning that I found really intriguing. And you know, it's on VentureBeat, and I'll share this with you all. And it talks about six ground rules for health tech startups. And one of the, the rules that, that really caught my attention is it, it talks about the need to have license to operate. And it goes in to explain how important a quality management system is in this space and, and how it's better to do this on the, on the front end rather than trying to retrofit it and, and do it after the fact. And this, the reason this is intriguing to me is, uh, you know, good, uh, well, I'm going to say good friend by now, but someone that sh- certainly has a shared vision on the importance of quality and regulatory in the medical device industry uh, that, you know, we've been bouncing some thoughts and ideas back and forth. I've, I've got Devin Campbell. Devin is the founder of Product. So Devin, welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Thanks, John. Happy to be here. And the reason that I thought this particular article caught my eye, this is in alignment with some of the, the messages that you and I have been bouncing back and forth. I mean, I know you do a lot of work with, with startups and early stage companies, and you shared a, a story with me recently about an experience that you had had that, that's similar where companies are starting to realize, oh, wow, this quality management system thing, uh, I probably shouldn't ignore it. So can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, I mean, I've got kind of two two different prongs that we could explore there. One, just in, in my professional work through through product, primarily focused just like Greenlight Guru, kind of in a very niche medical device space and working with early stage companies and startups, I've noticed kind of an emerging trend amongst almost all of my clients that either there's no quality system at all, or there is one that they think is a quality system, but in reality, it wouldn't really stand up to a lot of scrutiny. And I've been helping them kind of think through, well, what would the infrastructure be um, for product development, which includes uh, quality system. But the, the aspect that you and I chatted about recently that I thought would be interesting, I have had the opportunity to um, be invited as uh, a mentor for the Mass Challenge uh, program. And John, are you familiar with Mass Challenge at all? A little bit. Um, you know, I know they're, they've been growing. I know that they do a lot of great work, especially with uh, early stage companies, but it probably would be beneficial to maybe elaborate a little bit on what Mass Challenge is and, and how they are helping uh, startups, not only in the Massachusetts area, but, but I think they're global now, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. They're, um, they're all over the place now. 
So in a nutshell, Mass Challenge is a zero equity startup accelerator. It was founded here in Boston back in 2009, and it's been going now for 10 years. And I get to be a mentor for this 10-year anniversary cohort. Over that time frame, Mass Challenge has accelerated more than 1,900 startups. And collectively, for those startups, they've helped raise more than $4.3 billion in funding. And then those startups that have gone on to do something have generated $2.5 billion in revenue. So it's a successful working model. It's, it's, really been, it's really been a cool thing to watch explode. And I'm happy to be a part of it this year. And it's across all industries. It's not just clearly not just med tech. It's, it's just across everything. It's, it's got an interesting uh, origin story, too, if, you, if your readers wanted to look at that up. But this year, as part of the mentorship for the new cohort coming in, and there's over a hundred different uh, groups that are that are in it. We have uh, there's this kind of like mentor matching night where the entrepreneurs and and the the people that got admitted into the program and they accept less than ten percent of applicants. They get applicants from uh, all over the all over the place. The groups that came in they have this kind of mentor matching night where uh, mentors are there and our bios are available to them through a tool. And the bios of the entrepreneurs and the companies are available to us as mentors. And we kind of, you know, scope each other out a little bit. And then we, we get together for two nights and we have these conversations. Uh, the first night being just to kind of get to know each other and see if there's some interest. And the second night to have more engaged conversations to see, you know, how could we as mentors help fill gaps or needs that, that these really early stage entrepreneurial companies might have that they're looking for. And they typically pick up you know, three to four to five different mentors to, to fill different gaps to help them go. And during the entire time that they're in the program, everyone who's mentor, we're all volunteers. We're all giving without any expectation of anything uh, in return. And I was overwhelmed with the amount of entrepreneurs that were there that were once that had done their research in the med tech space and wanted to talk with me. I, I was not prepared. I thought there'd be a couple that might come by, but there was literally at one point kind of a line of groups waiting respectfully for me to finish conversation with one group so that they could come in and then talk with me as well. So they were just kind of circling and, and lurking around me. And <laughs> yeah, it was. It I was, mean, it's got to be flattering, was, I, right? I mean, people are hungry for your knowledge, so that's kind of cool. Well, I mean, I, yeah, uh, I, I don't share it for, for that purpose, but it was it was definitely it, it, I wasn't prepared for that. I, I, I thought that it would be um, less less uptake. And so I, I get into these great conversations with these groups to really understand, well, let me understand what's your core technology, what's your commercialization strategy, uh, what's your you know where my subject matter as expertise is is what's your development strategy? How do you what are you going to do to try? What do you think you need to do to be able to take it from where you have right now? Maybe a, a working proof of concept that's generated a little bit of, um, you know, data using you know patient samples um, or or an early prototype. How are you going to develop that and take it to market? Which includes you know the, the entire scope of you know designing this so that it's manufacturable and that you can transfer it to a manufacturer and putting the quality system in place and the right resources. Who do you, what do you want to outsource? What do you want to keep inside all of that? And a trend that I noticed in every, almost every single one of them was they did not yet appreciate the importance of having that quality system in or having a kind of, you and I've talked about this in the past, a, a culture of quality built really early. And 
it, it was really evident in those conversations with them that that is one place where I could add a lot of value to help these companies kind of understand that if you think you're going to, you know, take it an FDA route, or you think you're going to take it through a, you know, IVDD or IVDR, and, and you're going to take it into Europe in, in, in a year or two, there are things that you need to do right now absolutely, to get ready for that. And I think that was, I mean, no fault of their own, but I think that was kind of a, a really interesting experience for me to, to help kind of explain that, yeah, you, you actually need to start putting together a quality policy and start thinking about how you're going to develop things and to do it in, in the right way that's right for patients and, and, and right for your, your key stakeholders. And the regulatory stuff kind of comes along for the ride with it. But I just noticed that with all of these early startups that there seems to be this, this kind of lack of appreciation for how important that is. And I think that that's a, this is an important opportunity for us to be able to get that message out and to help these early stage companies really understand that, that you need to think through um, QMS uh, opportunities and, and how you're going in strategies and how you're going to go ahead and implement that. Well, I'm encouraged that you had such a long line of folks that were at least interested in hearing uh, what you had to say and, and learning from some of your experiences and getting some advice. So that's very encouraging. Um, but let's talk a little bit about that because I think, you know, I've talked, well, over my career with, let's just say, easily hundreds of startups. I know you have as well. And and unfortunately, more times than not, the um, the response that I get is, oh, this is a QMS. We're too early for that. Design controls, odds. We're not ready for that yet. We, you know, we've got X, Y, and Z to do first. And, and we're not really at a point where it makes sense for us to invest in a QMS. I mean, there's some flaws in that that line of thinking. Well, I mean, I, I think it's one of the things that I, I like to counsel groups on is, is the importance of starting with the end in mind, right? So if, if you intend to get FDA approval for whatever it is that you're doing, or you intend to go into a, a regulated space, even if you think it's a couple generations of instrument from now or, or from plat or from software or whatever it is that you're doing, um, if you intend to go that route at some point, or you think that you might want to go that route at some point, but and you're not sure, you have to start early to be able to make it easy to pivot later. Whereas if you don't, um, and if if you don't go through, you know the the effort that it takes to put a like a 13485 compliant type system in place, then when you when you are at the point where you need it, it's really hard to backtrack. And, and to generate all that that extra data. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you've got some experience. Uh, well, I'm sure you've got it on both sides, but I know in your your uh, consulting practice at Product, this is what you do. You come in, you help companies, you help them set the framework in place and, and get them on a path where they can use the idea of a quality management system to their benefit to help them run their business and help them with development activities. Can you maybe elaborate on, on some of the ways or that, that you've helped companies? I mean, I know you've got uh, at least one experience that, that I'm aware of uh, and probably more, but one where, you know, the company was pretty early. They were brand new to, to this whole regulatory environment, new to a quality management system. And you've been working with them on setting you know, some, some basic foundation in place from a QMS and helping them with the basic foundation of design controls. Can you maybe share some of your experiences on, on some best practices? Yeah. 
And I think the the one that you're thinking of is is, is a good example. And, and fortunately, they had what I, I could say, they, they had their heads in the right places. So very early on, they knew that they're going to have to have some quality system in place. Um, and they knew that they weren't uh, quality experts and they didn't necessarily have a lot of experience in that in that area. So they wanted to uh, get some additional outside help to help them build uh, the development infrastructure, in, including quality systems, uh, to be able to make sure that when they do a couple generations of, of platform from now, that they have everything in place so that it's, it's an easy transition. So they they aren't necessarily the kind of example where you have to go and sell that premise. Whereas a lot of other situations I've found myself in with people talking to me about helping them think through the strategic development of their product. A lot of those times I have to help kind of force them into thinking through hand in hand with the product development process comes the quality management side of things. Um, and and then why is that important? And I do get that pushback. Well, um, we don't need that right away. Let's wait till we have a prototype or let's wait until... You know, we, we get through clinicals and, and I have to kind of do a little bit of education to talk about why that's the wrong time to do it. Um, if, if you wait that if you wait that long, you're, you're too late and, and inefficient. It doesn't mean you can't do it, but it's inefficient and you have a lot of catch up to do. But with the company that you're talking about, great little startup here in the Boston area um, called Nanoview Biosciences. And what I've done with them is to, is to kind of think through, all right, well, where are we at right now? Let's take a good analysis of, of where the product is and where our product development processes are and where our quality system is. And in that case, there was no quality system um, to begin with. We had to create one from scratch. Um, to, to really do a strong analysis of where you are right now and where do you want to be. But you have to think through the entire product roadmap. In, in their example, their first go-to-market product is RUO. It's not under it's not something they intend to go get FDA approval and and IBDDR um, approval on. So their first foray into the world does not include all of that. But they were wise enough to think through, we know that it's a lot of work. We don't know how to get there. So the first thing we did was an analysis to look at where you are right now and where is it you want to be. And then based on where you want to be, looking at the markets you think you want to sell the product in and what regulations you um, would need to be able to sell the markets, to sell into those markets to do what it is you want to do, then you can kind of backtrack. And you did an analysis to think through, all right, well, if you want to go into Korea, then you're going to need this mark. And if you want to go into Japan, eventually, then you're going to need this. And if you, you know, Europe is an ever-changing dynamic right now, so that's a little bit more complicated. Um, so we had to think through all of that and kind of work back. So I think that's one of the first things that's really important for these early stage startups to look really far forward and think, you know, when we're really successful and we're, we have a product and we've got through the product development market and we want to start bringing it into other places, um, you know, what do we need at that point? So you can start to backtrack now and put the infrastructure and the mindset in place such that it, it, it's easier for you to do. Folks, I want to remind you, I'm talking with Devin Campbell. Devin is the founder of Product, P-R-O-D-C-T, LLC. And Product is a med tech company helping to establish and implement holistic, efficient, and practical product development and manufacturing strategies. 
uh, for med tech companies. So certainly check out Devin and his work at Product. Um, we'll certainly provide information on how you can contact him, and I'm sure he'll share that here in a moment. But while I'm taking this pause, I want to remind you all that, uh, of course, you're listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Thank you for doing so. Share this with your friends and colleagues. Uh, we've done well over 100 episodes at this point. But did you know that Greenlight Guru also has a new podcast? That's right. MedTech True Quality Stories. Wherever you're listening to this episode, you can find MedTech True Quality Stories as well. In fact, uh, Devin was a guest of ours on MedTech True Quality Stories recently. And, and it's a really cool episode. I encourage you to check it out. He talks about creating a culture of quality for medical device companies and, and its importance. And obviously, we're talking a little bit about that today. So, Devin, you know, you, you've shared a lot of your insights and wisdom. And, and I want to, some folks may not realize that, you know, this isn't the opinion of, of just some consultant. This is, you know, the opi opinion of a guy who's kind of been there, done that. I mean, you've had successes, you've had some exits. And, and you know, this foundation of quality has, it seems like it's flowing through through your your veins and, and arteries. Talk a little bit about, you know, some of the pros and cons. And, you know, what if a company says, ah, I, I hear what you're saying, Devin, I get it. But now, you know, we're just not going to do it right now. Uh, how can delaying these sorts of QMS initiatives, how can they impact a company negatively? Well, I mean, I think I'd bring a slightly different perspective to it, which helps resonate when I, when I have to kind of walk through that argument. I'm a mechanical engineer by training. I was a design engineer for quite a long time, got 20 plus years in, in the med tech space. And I don't necessarily position myself as, you know, uh, you know, a regulatory specialist or um, as, you know, a, a long lifetime uh, or career in, in, in the regulated um, quality space. I've, I've always been on the development side, but I was the kind of engineer that was unhappy or dissatisfied with, with sitting at my desk and designing stuff. I always wanted to understand the bigger picture and how what I was working on impacted all of my downstream customers, um, which included the, the quality department, right? And making sure that me doing product development and understanding the outputs that I generate, how does that impact quality? And I worked very closely, just it, it, kind of in my nature, to work very closely with these groups and really understand the, the interdependencies between development and, and quality and, and development and regulatory and development and manufacturing. And I, that helped kind of me appreciate what can happen if you don't build quality in really early? So I think one example that I, that I can point to for in, in my past with, with a company where that idea of, of building that quality, the, the structured, um, slightly more rigorous kind of quality process where you go through and you pause for a second, you do some peer review, and, and you control those documents, and you have some procedures that kind of walk you through how you do that. If you're developing a product and you think, oh, I don't need that, or I'm going to need it later, I have, I have personally seen on, on the, you know, the challenging side of it, when you get to the point where you do want to start talking to other regulated companies, you know, if, if you're looking at doing partnerships with someone in the pharma space, and, and, and I can speak to that because a couple jobs ago, I, I was in the pharma space and, and helping a major, a major pharma player develop companion diagnostics and look at other devices on the market. And 
if you don't have that quality system in place to begin with, and you can't demonstrate through objective evidence that you've been uh, peer reviewing your protocols and your verification, and your validation tests, and you've not been controlling the data in a way that is, you know, that's unquestionable, then it draws a little bit of doubt into, into the mind. So forget about just like regulators. If you're looking at other players who do work in the regulated space, it draws a bit of, you know, a raised eyebrow to say, well, they have really good data, but I don't see a lot of evidence to back it up or, you know, I don't see the evolution of that protocol or, or that data that's been checked in and checked out. Now it's at like Rev3 or Rev7 or whatever. There's a sense of confidence that you instill in those, in those stakeholders by having that structured development and, and product development process in kind of in place to begin with. And I'd like to point out that it doesn't necessarily mean that it is inflexible and, and inappropriate for a small stage startup to, to incorporate and to use, right? You can do just as much as you need to begin with. Uh, you don't need to put in you know, the, the entire system with every single aspect of it right away. But by even building in a little bit, and then as you evolve and mature as a company, that your quality system also evolves and matures in real time with what you need it to be at that time. Um, it gives you that, that ability to have those conversations with uh, pharma players or with uh, large diagnostic companies that are maybe interested in you from an acquisition perspective or something like that to be able to say, they'll ask you about the quality system and let's dig into your into your processes and let's understand the data that you've generated. And if you can't really demonstrate with a high degree of certainty that that is all under control, you know, it makes it a little bit harder of a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, there's a gentleman that uh, I know that he's, he's been in the med device industry for gosh, decades. He used to work for M and a for, for a very large company. And he often talked about when he was at this large medical device company going in and evaluating earlier stage companies for potential acquisition. He would talk about the importance of quality and and regulatory compliance and design controls and risk management. And he, he would share the stories that if those companies that they were evaluating didn't have this foundation of quality in place, that it would be a negative impact on their valuation um, because that, that would essentially be risk that they would have to assume as the acquiring entity and they would have to basically get things up to date and current with uh, compliance from a compliance standpoint. So really interesting thing to think about. Now, Devin, I can imagine some folks listening who maybe know a little bit about quality management systems and 820 and 1345 and all these sorts of things that, that we're talking about. They might be hearing, wow, this is a huge thing to tackle uh, off the jump. And, you know, we're, we're very early. We're still in prototyping. We're still iterating. Uh, so they might be asking themselves the question, are you saying that we have to implement the full 1345 compliant, full FDA 20 compliant quality management system um, to help, you know, I guess, give some people some perspectives? What sort of advice would you give them as they're starting to explore the needs from a quality management system? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say you, you absolutely do not need the full thing to begin with. That would be, you know, one, rid ridiculous to expect of a, of a small startup just getting on its feet, 
um, and doesn't necessarily have the resources, whether it's people or, or funding, um, to be able to put in place. So you don't need to do the whole thing all at once. That would be, uh, that would be uh, quite a challenge you know, for, for a startup to try to tackle. But what's important is that you identify early what, ask, what are we doing right now and what small things can we put in place. And uh, I've got a client where we put kind of a, a just-in-time philosophy in where we outlined here's how the quality system will evolve when we hit certain milestones, when we need them. But for right now, you know, maybe our dot control piece, we'll, we'll put together a quality policy, uh, a management uh, policy, a design control policy, and we'll do some basic document controls. But, you know, in a small company of just a few people, you don't necessarily have a quality department and a regulatory department and a manufacturing and a procurement and all these different groups to sign off on your, on your uh, change orders. That's okay. You can write your policy later to evolve it to bring in those other voices. What's important is very early, you just do you know something simple where you know you and one other engineer or or one other chemist on on the team stop, take us a, a tiny breath, and just look at the the idea that you've documented out, whether it's a plan for a protocol, whether it's a it's an engineering drawing or something to just stop for a second and take a look at it together. There's your peer review, and then document that you did that review, and then uprev those those documents. It doesn't have to be this big onerous beast. It can be a, a very easy to adopt kind of early stage, simple process to bring into play, and then you can grow it as you need it. But uh, it would be too much uh, for someone to try to take on um, all of that with a small team right from the very beginning. So yeah, I, I don't think it needs to be something that people should be scared of. They should, they should embrace it. Yeah, in fact, folks, if, if, you're, um, if your quality management system that you have or you're thinking that this is a, a big, onerous beast, then my opinion is your quality system might not be right size for the shape and, and type of company that you are. Uh, I totally agree with Devin's philosophy here. Uh, in fact, um, talk a lot about at Greenlight Guru, right-sizing your quality management system and evolving this as you go and as you advance, you know, and, and having that basic foundation is, I think, really important, especially as, you, you know, your plans, things start to unfold and, and maybe make a pivot here or there or, or what have you, your quality management system can be your framework to make sure that you've got the proper documentation, records, that it's also a means to communicate to the other uh, folks who are working with you and stakeholders in your business, what you're doing, why you're doing it, when you're doing it, and provide the supporting objective evidence for the decisions that you're making along the way. So certainly should be something that, that you're considering from a business perspective as a way to, to run a better business. Because at the end of the day, the people who depend on what you're doing, those patients who are going to receive uh, your medical technology are going to thank you for it. I mean, you may not get a direct thank you, but they're going to appreciate your focus on true quality. So, Devin, as we wrap up this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, any other tidbits, bits of wisdom that you want to impart upon our listening audience? No, I think where we kind of ended was a good one, you know, not to be intimidated by it. And, and of course, you have a, a broad spectrum of, of listeners to this podcast, and there'll be a lot of folks coming from, you know, larger, more experienced, uh, you know, 
medical device companies. But for those that are really, and, and, and they know, you know kind of what they're doing and how to tackle things. But for those, those really young and early stage companies that are listening, you know, my, my, my biggest piece of advice for you is, is really you know, take a breath. It, it's not as bad as you might think it will be. You'll hear horror stories. And kind of to your, your vein there, um, John, you know, a lot of times when you hear like, oh, my God, I heard this quality system was so onerous or it was so bad and it needed all these things. And it took weeks for a document to get reviewed. In most cases, that was a quality system that wasn't necessarily designed yeah. very lean or very agile, right? They don't have to be like that. Unfortunately, there's a lot out there. And that creates kind of this, this mentality that, oh, it has to be onerous, whereas it, it really doesn't. It can be lean as long as you're doing what's right for patients and doing what's right for your stakeholders and just taking a, a tiny moment to stop and breathe and, and review what you're doing and then just document it. It, right from the very beginning, that, that's a great start. And then it can evolve as you, as you need it. Totally. Folks, uh, key question for you to ask, are you working for your quality management system or is your quality management system working for you? If you want a quality management system that works for you, I would encourage you to come over to www.greenlight.guru. Learn more about the Greenlight Guru EQMS software platform designed specifically for the medical device industry and only for the medical device industry. And it was designed by actual medical device professionals, people who have been there, done that. So check it out. I'll be happy to have conversations with you to, to help you evolve your quality management system in a way that allows you to focus on true quality and making sure that you're designing and developing and manufacturing the safest, most efficient medical devices possible. Devin, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Folks, Devin Campbell with Product. Check him out, P-R-O-D-C-T. Uh, and I, Devin, how, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? I know you're on LinkedIn. You can go to their, your website. Any other suggestions for folks? Yeah, the website is uh, product.dev. So P-R-O-D-C-T dot D-E-V, like product.development. And then my email address, if anyone wants to reach me directly, is uh, the same domain, but DCC at the front. So DCC at productdev.com. Terrific. Or, I'm sorry, at product.dev. Product.dev. And folks, Devin is, he's a giver. He loves helping companies. So, you know, I, I encourage you to reach out to him and connect with him. He's got a lot of wisdom. He can share some tips and pointers and, and uh, he knows folks uh, above and beyond him who can also be a resource to you in, in your challenge to bring new and exciting medical devices to market. So thank you once again to Devin Campbell with Product. Folks, as always, uh, you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, founder, and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru. Thank you for listening.